with a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week 13 in the NFL, including the Sunday and Monday nighters. Also, Andy's got a delicious sandwich game he'll serve up to you, and I'll toss in a Moneyline Matty pick as well. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Atridge. Hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, Peachy Keen. What about yourself, man? Well, I'm just recovering from all the turkey and stuffing that I ate on Thanksgiving. I was thankful that my 49ers won. Yeah, the Bears actually pulled one out, which means Nagy gets to keep his freaking job. But yeah, I digress. I know. So there was that, uh, you know, silver lining, I suppose. <laughs> um, but my, my good November streak came to an end uh, at the Wicked. In fact, so abruptly that Taylor Swift has already written a song about it. Um, I did really poorly at the Wicked on Thursday, and fortunately, I kept that trend going into Friday and Saturday, and then I had a slight rebound on Sunday and Monday. You thought you was laying. I was laying? No, no, I'm taking it. I was taking it. You sure? I'm positive. I'm a little confused. You're a little confused? Maybe if I stick your fucking face through uh, this window over here, like, you know, you'll, you'll get unconfused. Give me the fucking money. And speaking of Monday, while I was quietly enjoying that Seahawks game while they're getting spanked by the professional football team from Washington on the newswire arose such a clatter. And this, of course, was the announcement of Benedict Kelly accepting the position of the most highly paid civil servant in the state of Louisiana, a.k.a. the head coaching job of the LSU Tigers. Smithies, are they booing me? Uh, no, they're saying boo earns, boo earns. Are you saying boo or boo-earns? I was saying boo-earns. Anybody that wants to come and tell me that the NCAA isn't a fucking business can go take this piece of news and shove it right up their ass. Because there is no reason that if it, like if this is truly amateur, that a coach should be able to skip town until the season's done. All that shit should be done in the offseason, but it isn't. So obviously, it's a business. Can we start paying these kids and just fucking move on? I'm a rageaholic. (laughs) I just can't live without rageahol. Anyway, please, Andy, continue. Wouldn't it be serendipitous, though, if, if Georgia bounces Bama or Iowa, for whatever reason, happens to beat Michigan this weekend, and the Fighting Irish go on to win the whole thing without him? That'd be great, but... It actually blew me away that he's the winningest coach of all time at Notre Dame. I would have thought that that would have went to Lou Holtz, but well, that's who he eclipsed. He's only yeah. got, I think, we got three more wins than than Holtz does now. But I think the biggest difference is that Holtz has a national championship, and Brian Kelly does not. Yes, sir. You yes, know what? Sir. I think you know his job just got a lot easier because at LSU, it is a lot easier recruiting students when you have zero academic standards at the institution. Children go to state college, serious students powerless against drunken jockocracy, baseball hats everywhere. Well, don't let the door hit you on the way out, Brian. Cause I don't want ass prints on my new door. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that they hired within it and Marcus Freeman. Um, Tommy Reese is still around the, the sidelines and as a coaching staff. And it only seems like yesterday that the guy was taking snaps in their center. But, 
yeah, I think there's going to be some continuity there, which will pay dividends if they do crack the top four. There was some coaching movement, though, uh, in the NFL as well, right? Uh, I believe that uh, the clapper, our mm-hmm. own Jason Garrett, is looking for work. Yeah, he, uh, you know, since our last show, he got fired as the offensive coordinator for the Giants, which ironically was exactly 72 hours after International Kick a Ginger Day. But he took it in stride, very grateful of the organization, people in New York. But he's not willing to rest on his laurels, and he's he's been seeking some new employment. In fact, I've already had a conversation with his agent, and there are exactly five new jobs he's considering. Number five. A life coach who claps for you, even when you suck. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. Number four. Now that Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly has accepted the position at LSU, Garrett would make a perfect replacement for the fighting Irish leprechaun mascot. I'm the leprechaun! Stop it, all right? Don't try and steal me, Patico! Number three. He needs a job. The town of Poughkeepsie is looking for a village idiot. Do the math. If foodstuffs should touch the ground, said foodstuffs shall be turned over to the village idiot. Number two. Manager at the... Orchids of Asia Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida. Apparently, Robert Kraft put in a good word. A lot has transpired during the last two years. And I don't think that needs any explanation. And now, the number one. Dallas Cowboy head coach Mike McCarthy has tested positive for COVID and will not be able to take part in team operations for a little while. Garrett would like to resurrect his rightful role of being on the business end of Jerry Jones's glory hole. I want me some glory hole. Let me tell you this. He can do whatever he wants as long as it's not head coach of the Bears next season. You're not going to amen. Amen to that. Let's fire it up. Are you Our first game on the docket, we're going to the Steel City where the Pittsburgh Steelers sit as four and a half point underdogs to the visiting Baltimore Ravens. 44 is your over under and uh, well, Pittsburgh really took a shellacking at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals last week and Pittsburgh just, you never know which Steelers team is going to show up to the yard, but I guess the same could be said for the Baltimore Ravens as well. Uh, Baltimore is a little more up and down. In fact, I mean, the biggest difference is that they have ups. Pittsburgh's just looked like shit. Um, they call this the black and blue ball for obvious reasons. Huge rivalry, physical game. Pussies need not apply for this one. But since that epic Steelers tie to the Lions, they've lost two straight, allowing 41 points in each of them. Big Ben isn't even close to accurate. In fact, he was ranked 29th on NFL.com's quarterback index this week. By the way, that 41-plus points in two straight games, that yeah. happened for the first time since weeks one and two, 1989. Roethlisberger was seven years old. Holy crap. Who was? I'm trying to think of the quarterback. It wasn't O'Donnell, was it? Slash, maybe? Uh, no, that'd be... Oh, no, 89. That's too, way too early for Slash. He was like mid-90s, right? Yeah. Neil O'Donnell? Know. Yeah, I was going to say O'Donnell, but it's, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably even more than that, but... Bobby Brister was the uh, quarterback. 
Bobby, of course. How could I forget? A light dawns on Marblehead. They're no longer feeding Najee Harris the ball like they were earlier in the season. And quite frankly, their defense sucks. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Um, to, and to make matters worse, TJ Watt tested positive for COVID this week. And although he's vaccinated, he'll not likely be seeing action on Sunday. Offensive lineman Joe Hag also on that list. And linebacker Robert Spillane was added on Thursday. Yeah, the TJ Watt injury is especially hurtful. Well, not injury, I guess. Testing positive for COVID uh, means he's out. And he's really one of the few bright spots uh, in that Steelers defense this year. So taking him away, uh, going up against a team that's got a lot of different offensive ways to hurt you. Uh, I don't normally like to bet on a home dog that's four and a half points, you know, that's over three point underdog. I just don't like it. But man, I, I can't see Pittsburgh keeping it within a touchdown. I honestly, I don't either. The only thing that concerns me about the Ravens is that they held a pretty good Cleveland rushing attack at bay last week, but they haven't cracked the 16 point mark since week nine against the Vikings. So they're, they're having a tough time putting the ball in the end zone. I, I think they can get right against that Steelers defense, whom we thought was one of the more elite ones at the beginning of the season. Obviously that, the shine is off, and we know their offensive struggles. No Juju Schuster. Ray Ray's coming back, but, you know, Ben's just not Ben. Um, yeah, well, Lamar Jackson is 6-2 and two in his career following a game with multiple turnovers. Obviously, he had four last week. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think they can make the turnaround this week against a very poor Steelers team. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens. Uh, I will as well. With the Raven, never more. Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati, where uh, the Bengals sit as three-point favorites at home against visiting L.A. Chargers. 50-and-a-half is your over-under. And uh, while the L.A. Chargers, they started the season really good. They were on fire. All of a sudden, they're you know up and down. They kind of go as uh, as Justin Herbert goes. Uh, he's 5-0 and oh in games with a 100-plus passer rating this season but one and five with a sub 100 rating, which means he's kind of all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we were, I think you and I had a conversation early October that it would not be out of the realm of possibilities to see the chargers in the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. representing the AFC, but yeah, they've kind of crapped the bed since then. I mean, both of these teams are chasing their division leader by one win. Now, since he, after beating, uh, the Steelers, with whom we just mentioned, that's the first season sweep of Pittsburgh since 2009. And as we mentioned, Pittsburgh looked about as bad as they possibly could. They ran for 51 yards, Ben threw two picks, they gave up a fumble, he got sacked three times, and Pittsburgh had 11 fewer minutes of possession than Cincy. And the Chargers, they all gained the Broncos last week, 357 yards to 302. In fact, they actually even held the edge in time of possession. The problem was their two INTs, and we were just talking about that. You mentioned, you know, as Justin Herbert goes, so do they. And they had nine penalties. Now, are those things you can sort of clean up during the week? Probably. But Cincinnati ranks sixth in the NFL in scoring defense. 
allowing 20 and a half points a game. Joe Mixon is playing as well as any running back in the league. And Cincy, you know, they have about an even split between passing and running, but the Chargers are still dead last when it comes to stopping the run. So not only should Joe Mixon have a good outing, but that translates and it loosens up play action to be much more effective. And I think the beneficiary of that is going to be that outstanding rookie, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I'll take him for an anytime touchdown prop this weekend for sure. The Chargers defense is terrible. Yeah, you might be able to fix, like you said, a few of those offensive quirks during the week. Uh, one thing you can't fix is a defense that has been steadily trending down downward. The Chargers have allowed 24 or more points and 300 or more total yards in seven straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL, and they're playing a team that can put points on the board. Uh, this uh, this is a really tough one here for the Chargers coming across the country, playing in Cincy. It's going to be chilly, not downright cold, but chilly for a team from L.A. And uh, the Bengals, I feel like they should almost be favored by you know at least three and a half. I think the line started at two and a half. I'm actually a little surprised it got up to three. I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this came back down a little bit before game time. I think the public would be liking the dog here, but that's just a supposition. Yeah, I like the Bengals here to to cover at home. Yeah, I do too. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is... Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. Right, and up next we go to Las Vegas, where the home Raiders are two and a half point favorites against the visiting Washington football team. 49 and a half is your over under. And uh, well, uh, Derek Carr is leading the NFL right now with 310.4 pass yards per game this season. And uh, Washington, surprisingly, is allowing 266.6 pass yards per game. That's the third most in the NFL. Surprising yeah, you know, considering I, their I, pass I rush. That too, and I was astonished, to be quite honest. I thought Washington would be much better than that. Going back to Thanksgiving Day, in addition to the turkey and stuffing, my favorite part of it was watching the Raiders beat the Cowboys in overtime, which was great. Next week, the Raiders go into Arrowhead and play the Kansas City Chiefs, meaning... It's an almost wise, guys. Sandwich game! What are you? An idiot sandwich. So the professional football team from Washington has won their last three straight games as an underdog, a spot they find themselves in again. They are playing a really vanilla style of football, if you know what I mean. But it's working. You know, they're running the ball well. They're stopping the run well, even without Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young, whom we mentioned. But those guys are probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Heineke is anything but flashy. But even though he's a disproportionate amount of passes for short yardage, it means he's not turning the ball over. I don't know. The Raiders' defense is 30th in the league in points allowed per game. They're horrible. But I don't really see this being a particularly high-scoring affair. I know where you're going with this, as you're seeing that uh, 
the Raiders have themselves, uh, well, they're in the meat of the sandwich. Uh, yes, they are. They, uh, the football team is 0-4 this year against AFC teams, 5-2 uh, and two versus NFC teams. Um, however, you know, like you said, they're, they're kind of on a roll. They've won street, three straight after starting the season 2-6, and six, and the Raiders allowing 30 or more points in three straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. Um, it's, this is a tough one to pick, uh, because they're going across the uh, country to, to Las Vegas. Um, you know what? I, I got to take the Raiders here at home to cover that spread. Washington. If you looked at that game on Monday night, it's the focus was on the offensive line and Antonio Gibson racked up actually between Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick, they racked up 152 rushing yards. And McKissick actually caught five passes for 26 yards with a TD. Darren Waller, a guy you might have heard of, this is probably not going to be playing this week. And apparently Deshaun Jackson has not been practicing either. So this is a non-conference game here for both of them. Teams off a Monday night win in the last 19 games are 15-4 and four against the spread the following week. So I'm going to invite the players to go down to North Rainbow Boulevard to which which for an Elvis sandwich. The king of rock and roll famously loved to eat his peanut butter, mashed banana, and white bread sandwich browned in a pool of melted butter. While urban legends suggest he liked bacon on it, truth suggests he didn't. Although, it sure does add a nice salt flavor to this rich sandwich. At which which, the Elvis witch comes with peanut butter, bacon, banana, and honey, and served on a toasted sub sandwich roll. If you were going to eat a sandwich... You would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. Waiting all day for Sunday night. All right, and up next, our Sunday night football matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs play host to the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs, nine and a half point favorites, and uh, 47 is your over under. And, of course, we always like to bring up this stat whenever uh, Andy Reid comes off a bye week. His teams are, well, Andy Reid himself anyway, 19-3. and That's an 864 winning percentage coming off a bye. That is incredible. That's the second highest win percentage among active head coaches. So, obviously, this guy knows how to prep a team uh, when they've been off for a week. Um, And on the other side of the ball, much like... Uh, Justin Herbert goes, so do the Chargers. It's the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos. If he's got 100 or more in the passer rating stat stat column, uh, he's got a win, six wins, in fact, this season. Anytime they've lost, so five losses, he's had a sub-100 passer rating. So Teddy Bridgewater needs to have a good game. What's really surprised me here is uh, the play. You, you would have thought that Vaughn Miller leaving would have had a negative impact on the defense, but no, they're, they seem to be playing uh, out of their heads right now. Don Victor Fangio seems to have those linebackers amped up. And Justin Herbert even said after a presser last week that he just could not get a read on the defensive packages. They were disguised so well. So that could explain his, his two INTs, but they also manhandled the Chargers at the running back position, Austin Eckler and the whole running game only had 72 yards. 
KC has definitely tightened up their defense since the beginning of the season, but they're still they still rank 23rd in yards allowed per game. Their running back, Jarek McKinnon, is on the IR this week and will not be playing. But one win separates the first and last place teams in this division. And I I, I see the Broncos just pulling out all the stops. Yeah, Andy Reid's 19-3 and straight up. This is a huge spread for a divisional game. And I look for the Broncos to cover this one. Well, the Broncos definitely need their defense to play out of their head. Uh, in their six wins, they've allowed 10.8 points per game. In their five losses, 26.2 points per game. Now, what's interesting to me is, and I've been listening to this for the last couple of weeks now, is how Kansas City's righted the ship. Okay, well, they have tightened up their defense a bit. But their offense, they've won three of their last four games while scoring 20 points or fewer. Mm-hmm. And they only had three of those such games in the previous five seasons combined. Nothing... they. They haven't fixed anything as far as I'm concerned other than the tightening up of the defense. So I, I, I definitely see this game. I like the under, and I also like the Denver Broncos to go into Kansas City and win this one outright. They're my money line Maddie pick this week. Let's go, Broncos. Oh. Oh. Go, America. Go, America. Go, Broncos. Yeah, go, Broncos. Yeah. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Feel the time money, don't try to save. My heart said, go, go. Have a time for Saturday night. Nah, feel fine. Gonna rock it up. And finally, Monday night, we head up to Western New York where the Buffalo Bills play host to division rival New England Patriots. Two and a half is the spread in favor of Buffalo. 44 and a half is your over-under. And at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have even thought that these two teams would be close. Buffalo just cut, like, I mean, obviously they had that uh, egg they laid against the Steelers, but that just went on a tear. And uh, New England started the season, you know, with obviously the kind of growing pains you'd have with a a, a brand new rookie quarterback. But you got to give Bill Belichick uh, credit. That guy can just make shit tons of lemonade if you give them lemons and uh, he, he he's turned this team into the number one uh scoring defense in the nfl now interesting enough this is the 15 matchup between the number one scoring defense the new england patriots and the number one total defense the buffalo bills since 1990 the number one total defense has won 11 of the previous 14 matchups i i think bill belichick if you gave him oranges he could make lemonade yeah, yeah. He could do it out of radishes and rutabaga. Now let's all celebrate with a cool glass of turnip juice. But yeah, to think, you know, to think that we, the Patriots would be one game ahead of the Bills at this point in the season was just not fathomable in September. Dude, their 148-point differential in their last six games is the fifth highest by any team in a six-game span since the 70 merger. Holy crap. Yeah, isn't that nuts? <laughs> Coach him up, Bill. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Well, my point is this this is where the rubber meets the road. This is going to separate the men from the boys, the Mac Joneses from the Star Joneses, the Josh Allens from the Woody Allens. You know, as impressive as that Patriots win was over Tennessee, one of the most interesting things is that even though their defense only gave up 13 points, they allowed 
270 yards rushing to a Derrick Henryless Titans. But not cons- that's not that surprising when you consider that their 109 passing yards allowed over the past three games is by far the best in the league. Yeah, Billy Boy's got these guys dialed up. And I will say this, you, you, you allow that many yards. I know they're without Derrick Henry, but let's face it, they still have the same offensive line. That's true. Right? So I, I obviously he's not going to be just crushing guys in the secondary like Henry will, but you're going to get yards. As you know, Matt, I'm a big weather guy in terms of predicting outcomes. and the you weather, are, Especially wind speed. I know you like wind your wind speed. speed. And you know what the wind speed is on Monday night in western New York? Uh-oh, 20, what's that? Three, 23 mile an hour winds. Yikes. And that's without the gusts. And so, I feel like a lot of kickers have been missing kicks this year. I feel well, like there's more kicks being missed than ever. Yeah. I, I don't even think they're going to use their kicking game much here because of that. And you would think that that those weather conditions would favor a New England running game. But let's consider Josh Allen. He's got a stronger arm than Mac Jones. He's a better scrambler. And I'm certain that Mac Jones never saw weather conditions like this in the SEC. No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen has played in Buffalo in cold weather before. Now, obviously, Mac Jones better get used to cold weather because the last time I checked, New England plays a fuck ton of football games that are playoff games in the snow. But they have to get this year. No, absolutely. But I'm saying Mac Jones better get used to it because that's going to be his home for the next little while. But I'm with you. I I was actually looking at the weather as well. Um, And we live not too far from Western New York. And we know that those winds coming in off the Great Lakes, like Lake Ontario or Lake Erie in the case of Buffalo, um, we get the big winds coming off through Toronto from uh, Lake Ontario. And uh, they can be vicious. They can be very vicious, and, and that can, especially when you look at uh, Rich Stadium and how it just swirls in there. Uh, a lot of kickers have a hard time uh, kicking in Western New York when I believe what is it? Eleven miles an hour is your is your threshold? Well, actually, fifteen. Fifteen is my sort of. That's the that's the key number where it may, where it really starts affecting the kicking game. So, so you're eight you're eight miles an hour over your threshold, and. I mean, all the other stuff, too. I agree with you on the uh, assessment of Josh Allen's arm. That guy's got a howitzer when everybody else has got a 30-06. So I'm going to take the Bills here to cover. It's it's less than three points, man, at home. Oh, uh, signing that with you. Go Bills! Okay, finally, we get to the teaser. It's where Andy and I both give you a teaser we're going to get down on this weekend. And uh, Andy, what do you like? I'm going to get two teasers that are very similar to each other. The first leg of it will be the Arizona Cardinals going into the Windy City playing your Bears. And we are going to take them from minus 7.5 down to minus 1.5 through the key numbers of 7, 4, and 3. And we're going to do an identical second leg of the teaser with Minnesota on the road going into the Motor City against the Lions, seven and a half down to one and a half. First leg of my teaser, uh, we're going to Kansas City where the Broncos come to town. I picked them as my money line Maddie pick. So if I can take them from plus 10 to plus 16, yeah, I'm going to do that. And um, the second leg of my teaser, let's go to Western New York where the Bills are at home. Uh, take them from minus two and a half up to plus three and a half. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. 
Well, thank you for listening to week 13 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe buttons on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week 13 games across the NFL. From the Cosa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. How many times did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times did you follow him home? How many times should I take it on the chain and take another spin, baby? How many times? How many times? And the sky is bigger And the trees are older And the air is clean I'm a newborn soldier With my finger on the trigger And a chip on my shoulder I'm the American dream How many times Did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times Did you follow him home? Times should I take it on the chance and take another spin, baby? How many times? How many times? You're a supernova, getting bigger by the hour, and you're picking up power, running on steam. Always fucking me over, and you saw me down the river, and you taste so bitter. Oh, you're a perilous queen How many times Did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times Did you follow him home? How many times Should I take it on the chance and take another spin, baby? How many times How many times Bigger by the hour And you're picking up power Running on steam Always fucking me over And you sell me down the river And you taste so better Oh, you're a perilous queen How many times Did you love that other man Behind my back, baby? How many times Did you follow him home? Should I take it on the chair and take another spin, baby? How many times?